In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The text is the Old Testament. Ezekiel 33, verses 7 to 9. The Lord addresses the prophet. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. This is our text. Bullying in schools is a topic of great interest of late. One of the truths that's stressed at various workshops is that minimizing, excusing, and ignoring bullying behaviors enables bullies. So teachers, parents, and students need to confront bullies and call them out on their behavior. In our text today, the Lord told Ezekiel that he too must confront the wicked with God's message. You and I are called to confront in the course of our Christian lives. So today, let us meditate on this idea taken from God's word. There are times when the believer is called to confrontation. And we'll meditate on this in two parts, that the believer is called to confrontation to show whose side he is on, and second, the believer is called to confrontation to win the brother. Now the believer is called to confrontation, first off, to show whose side he is on. Are you on God's side or are you the side of the wicked? If you just stand by and say nothing, most people will assume that your silence means consent to the wickedness going on. Now, confrontation to show that you're on God's side, this can be selfish. There's a sinful side of us that likes to tell others off. We like to share our strong opinions. And if we have strong opinions about religion, well, that's why you're not supposed to talk about them at the dinner table. Furthermore, we want to be right and tell other people that we're right, just like the Pharisees. That's a selfish kind of sin. It may stake your claim to be on the right side but it calls attention to you rather than to God or to the right. Another selfish reason that people may confront or testify is that we are afraid that God will punish us if we don't. 
Have you ever had someone like that come to your door? It's clear they were trembling in their boots, but they felt they had to testify or witness or share their faith with you, or God would strike them down. It's uncomfortable both for you and for the one making the testimony. I don't know if it's very effective in winning people to faith, but the believer can be God-pleasing in confrontation when he shows whose side he is on. When you speak to the one that God has sent you, so to whom has God sent you? Well, God has sent you to family, to persons under your care, to those you supervise, that means confrontation is part of the duty and obligation of parents, of teachers, of pastors, elders, and bosses. But notice that you confront only in the area of your responsibility. When you're a parent of a two-year-old, you have responsibility for everything. When you're a parent of a 16-year-old, Hopefully your 16-year-old has assumed many more responsibilities and it would not be your place to confront them on some issues. In the same way, if you're a boss, you have certain responsibilities and you are to confront your employees if they fail to meet those responsibilities. But it's not your job as a boss to inquire as to your employees' home life unless it's interfering with the job. In fact, as a Christian boss, you may have to reprimand an employee who is paid to spend his time making widgets, but if he takes that time and talks religion to other people, you may have to reprimand your worker because that's your area of responsibility. Now, in addition to those that you have to supervise, God has sent you to your peers who share a commitment. There's an unspoken commitment that fellow students in a school share, and when your fellow student is not living up to that commitment, following the rules, cheating on schoolwork, or maybe taking other people's things, you have a duty to confront those who are doing what is wrong and violating your commitments. In the same way, we as citizens, whether members of a community or members of the state of Michigan, we have a shared commitment. And when others are breaking that commitment, we may have a duty to confront, to encourage, to require one another to follow the laws. Your fellow employees on the job, you have a shared commitment and when one of your fellow employees is doing things that breaks that commitment, perhaps having someone else punch in for them, defrauding the company, you may have a duty to confront and call that person to right behavior. And God may call you to confront others as he did Ezekiel when he sent him 
to confront the wicked in Israel as he did with John the Baptist and sent John the Baptist to confront Herod about his immoral marriage. Notice that God did not call Christ to denounce Herod and his wicked marriage. God called John the Baptist for this particular mission. And God may call you to speak to someone about a matter. When I was a hospital chaplain, I raised the question with my supervisor, if a man is dying, what right do I have to talk to him about his sin and getting ready for death? And my supervisor said, if you care enough about him, that gives you the right to bring up the subject and invite him to discuss it with you. And I say that you, if you care enough about an individual, you can bring up a subject and confront him or her about these issues, but you must be prepared to endure rejection, to endure accusation or even abuse on that regard. If you care enough to accept such things, then I believe you may go forward. Now, not only is the believer called to confrontation to show whose side he is on, the believer is called to confrontation to win the brother. Now, sometimes the ones to be won are the victims of evil. As when Moses was called to confront Pharaoh for the sake of Israel. Pharaoh was not going to be won. God told Moses, I'm going to harden his heart. But it was Israel that was to be won for the Lord, the victims of the evil. As you may be required to stick up for your neighbor when he is wronged, whether by violence or by gossip or by theft. This is so others may know that God and God's people care about what is right. As Luther says in the explanation to the Lord's Prayer, God's name is hallowed among us when we as the people of God lead holy lives according to his word. But usually those to be won over are those doing the wrong of which we have direct knowledge. The one described at the end of the gospel reading today. And I emphasize those of whom we have direct knowledge. They may be those living in sin. Not only those who are living in an adulterous relationship, but those who habitually practice theft. Those who live in an out-of-control manner, who do risky things that endanger themselves and others. Those who practice illegal behavior, not just once, but someone who deals drugs or, or buys liquor for minors or other kinds of things. They need to be confronted about their sinful lifestyle. And if you have direct knowledge and if you care for the brother or sister who is doing these things, then you have a duty to confront and not only those who live in sin, but those who are guilty of a neglect of duty 
Those who neglect the worship of God need to be confronted, invited. Those who neglect the care of family need to be confronted. This is what husband and wife may do for one another. It is so tempting in our day to be so caught up in a job or volunteer activities that we neglect the primary relationships in our lives, whether it is time with the children or time with the spouse. And occasionally husband or wife need to confront one another on something like this. Now, winning a brother requires a gentle, caring approach. Three things must be kept in mind. First off is the truth. Never act on the basis of rumor. Now, you can approach someone and say, I hear this story is going around. Is there anything I can do to help in the situation or correct the story? because that person may be the victim of rumor rather than a sinner who needs confrontation. So truth must always be primary, truth of which you have first-hand knowledge. As the Lord says in the Gospel, let everything be established by two or three witnesses. Humility must characterize our confrontation for we too are sinners. We too could become guilty of the same kind of sin. In fact, it's our weakness that often compels us to talk to others. And finally, care for the sinner, as well as care for any victims involved. And this will guide us to minimize embarrassment because one of the painful things, if not the most painful thing about confrontation, is the embarrassment that we suffer when attention is drawn to what we're doing wrong. So our love for the sinner must be forward. And in all these things, Christ showed us how. In his ministry, his calling sinners like the women in adultery, the tax collectors, even Judas. He was gentle in his confrontation. He did not shy away from difficult subjects, but he knew not to push too hard on those who were feeling guilty. Remember his visit to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, I must come to your house tonight. And Zacchaeus knew that he was a sinner. And by the end of the conversation, he of himself said, Lord, I'm going to repay everyone I've cheated and I'm giving half of my wealth to the poor. The Lord knew how to win with love and care, humility and truth, the brother or sister caught up in sin. And more than this, he showed us how on the cross. For he suffered the shame and pain on behalf of sinners that they might have hope. When he was put on the cross, he was exposed to the world. 
You know, he knows what it's like to have unfavorable attention. He took the sin and guilt that we deserve because of the things that we do wrong, the things of which we are ashamed, the secrets of our hearts he took upon himself on the cross, and he felt their glaring guilt and shame in our behalf. And having swallowed it up, he offers forgiveness to you and to me, and he offers gifts, gifts of forgiveness and love. May Christ's gifts of forgiveness and love guide you in all the confrontations of life. Amen. And may that peace of God that passes our understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.